Hi, it's Ross here, uh, episode 3 of the Strong Side podcast. Uh, we've got a really good show today. We've got uh, my good friend Frank McKechnie joining us. He's going to be talking about some of his experiences, some of his experience with bands, mental health and the usual. Uh, some of you will know Frank, he's been in some great bands, some questionable bands. Kidding on. Uh, so we've had him in Frontline, we've had him in Deceit, uh, Don't Hold Your Breath, he's now in a band called Ruthless. Uh, so yeah, so Frank's good to have you. Uh, thank you very much for joining Thanks us. Thanks for having me, man. Don't Hold Your Breath was a some pool. Yeah, yeah. It was an interesting time. Uh, that's that being your first band. That's probably what I'd like to start with. Like, how did you kind of get into heavier music, playing it, involved with it? Uh, so in Stirling, there was a there was a kind of youth center that we all used to go to. So Andy had went there, uh, and all those guys that came came from Stirling who were in Burn the Sunset. Mm-hmm. So I'd ran about with essentially was the moshers and what Andy and that got referred to we thought they were like the wee hardcore kids right okay so there was a wee kind of riff in, in between there but I liked all the music that they were into mm-hmm. so through that I ended up get listening to a lot of the stuff they did then I started coming through to shows with them so that's how I ended up starting with the hardcore shows nice and then what was the first kind of band uh, venture for you uh, there was a band oh god it was terrible it was a band called Dead by Sunday wow <laughs> So I was around about that, just before that time, before I started really getting into hardcore. And then Don't Hold Your Breath happened when I was around about 18, with a few good friends who went on to be in uh, Final Silence, another Stirling band that had been going for a few years. Uh, so Jamie, Stuart and Spearsy. And uh, just one thing to note, Stephen couldn't be with us tonight, he had some other things he had to do. Stephen still wants to chime in a bit on the conversation, so he does have a few questions for Frank as well. So uh, one thing Stephen really wanted to know was hardcore being a kind of seen as a maybe a violent uh, and aggressive genre from the outside. Mm-hmm. How did how did you get into that element of it, the kind of heavier side of it? I think it's because I listened to a lot of metal when I was younger. So I love, like without realising it, like Lamb of God and, that had, and Machine Head had just, tremendous breakdowns and then as I got into hardcore I figured out there's a, they've got they've still got breakdowns and then eventually I found beatdown and more kind of metal uh, bands and hardcore so I was really into that and then bands like Recon just just take it to the next level yeah. the he- heavier the better and downtuned I was always into that sort of stuff I'm with you and uh, just as well like in terms of actually getting involved in the show element of it maybe participating in like Moshing or hardcore mm-hmm. dance, whatever you want to call it. How did you? How did that come about? Was that just natural for you? Well, it went back to the rock center days of that youth project. So mm. everybody had the hardcore band. So it was Burn the Sunset with their when they had the breakdowns, and then guys like Mark Ingalls and Lee back when he would, had his big throw and he was moshing oh, as well. Wow. So and obviously Andy leading by example as well. And was there a reason why you felt like you had got involved in that? It was the kind of it was the energy and the movement behind it. It wasn't just people slamming their bodies against each other. It was the it was the coordination and the kind mm-hmm. of like this goes to the time into this bit and it goes to this beat. And I was just like it just captured my imagination. It just seemed really fun, as dumb as it looks. Yeah. It can never look cool. But it was so fun at the time. So even at that young age it was kinda like a release? Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And see even then, like you've obviously you've eventually You've been around this scene for quite a while, and as a result, you'll probably have introduced people to it. Mm-hmm. How do you introduce people to a scene that like to look so uninviting from the outside? Well, when I first met Bono, he came along to one of his very first shows, and it was Bono that's in your band. Yeah, Ruthless, Bono yeah. is in Ruthless, the guitarist, who's also Machete, another infamous band. <laughs> uh, 
so the first formal introduction to him is that I was having a mosh and he didn't quite realise what was going on and I kicked him square in the chest. Right, okay. And this is long before he became the person that he's known as today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I think I got off lucky. They just interject. Love Bono, fantastic guy. Bit of a reputation as a hard mosher. Has paggered me a few times at gigs. Uh, still love him for it, don't get me wrong. Uh, but just to give you a bit of context, he's now very much involved, but this he's was a, his first experience. It was his first experience, but he came back. Well, first experience with me anyway, but I'm pretty sure he went to a practice room show as well, so it was those kind of things. So you basically sold this to him by kicking him in the <laughs> chest? <laughs> right, okay. It was great. I brought a a few friends who are never really involved, they're just like, this is so loud, but I can understand why I like it, or they'd see me playing and be like, you're so you're like a different person on stage compared to when you're just doing your normal life. And do you think that's fair to say, like, obviously, I, I went to, like, shows a lot, and I, I, you'll see there'll be people who get involved every show, every week, every mm-hmm. band, pretty much, and there'll be people who are there at every show, mm-hmm. watching every band, but they I've maybe never seen them get involved in terms yeah. of motion. Do you think it's maybe it's just a different kind of release the music for them might yeah. be just as therapeutic as it might be if you were having like a, a, a mosh or whatever yeah definitely but i think it, if a lot of it comes down to sometimes it might do to age they might be around for that long they feel like don't really want to mosh anymore they're that much they could be a bigger guy they could be feel like they want to catch anybody by accident but there's people that are more into having a sing-along those sort of bands getting involved in like a pile up and stuff yeah or just standing back and just being in awe of people playing their instruments depending on what the band is sometimes I won't even set foot near the, the area where everyone's moshing because I just want to watch the band and see how it all comes together yeah and just take it in I get you and you've been in quite a few bands um, kind of different genres as well mm-hmm. like kind of different areas of the spectrum what would you say is the most positive outcome you've seen from like your time in bands personally uh, with Frontline especially with them kind of I said I'd cover one show for them I end up sticking with them for about three years uh, I got to travel all around Europe and we went to America, but I also made uh, probably one of my uh, best friends. Uh, I met Matt, uh, who was playing drums in Vivi Hatred at the time when we were two in Europe. Uh, they're from Pittsburgh. And from them, I go and visit him and his family. I try and make it a trip out uh, once every two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I see them. So it's like like lifelong friendships that I've had from that. And it's just, it's really positive that way. But seeing kids really enjoy the music is, is like you could play like a a basement in Paris and people are going wild and you could play Glasgow every week and your pals are going nuts and sometimes it's just like we played London and we were happy to play London it was a Russian show and I was very excited for it it was one of the front lines last shows and it was this kid from Australia going wild and he was the only kid moshing and that alone I was just like I didn't even know where he was from anything before after the gig I was just like he's losing his mind and I'm like as long as that one kid's moving and enjoying it, I don't care. <laughs> so for you, like a positive thing was definitely like your music get giving people, people that because yeah. obviously you get into this because you love the music as an outlet and yeah. it gave you that release. So you say now when you were on the stage and you got to see it from the other side and you were like, yeah, the things I'm doing in my band are doing like getting, pe- getting people involved because it's like as as dumb as it can seem from outside, just folk like moshing and having a laugh with their mates. If I can anyway help with that. Mm-hmm. I'm all for it. It's somewhat orchestrating chaos sometimes, but it's it's fun. It's it's two very different levels of release though. It's like yeah. getting yourself completely out of breath, running about the room like an absolute dafty, or you're the one barking the orders for everyone to go wild. Yeah, no, I get you. And it was interesting you said as well about the friendship element of it. It's 
you've obviously I mean I can say safely like I probably wouldn't be sitting in a room with you mm. like if it wasn't for, for that shows. scene and then for shows and I probably wouldn't know the guys that we do the podcast with and I'm really thankful for that but I think it's perceived as maybe like a negative area of music but yeah. there's definitely so many positives that come from it and I think a common bond and like friendship yeah. is, is important it's, it's definitely there you can do get with some very like tight knit groups with it it's especially with a lot of the genres that I've but predominantly beat down I've played in kind of the heavier side of hardcore, it's a meathead genre. Mm-hmm. Like, overall, it's very much like people just shouting and trying to be as aggressive as possible and shouting people down, saying they're soft and all that sort of stuff. But half the times folk come off the stage and they're just like, they're sound as anyone, they're yeah. as, as nice as anyone else in the room. But it's kind of, a, it's it just comes with what it is and you just get that out and then... Just like a persona. That, that's the, that's, just, it's like the aggression is gone and that's yeah. you kind of got out of your system. Next band plays, then you're trying to kick as high as possible. <laughs> and do you think it's important for like mental health in that point of view? Like, I know that when I was very attached to the scene, I loved it because mm-hmm. I did have so many friends and uh, a lot of different outlets for me to, I don't know, show not my emotions, but I had loads of people to talk to. Mm-hmm. If I needed friends, I knew they were yeah. always there. Do you think that's a really important element? Definitely. It was somewhat networking as well because you're meeting all these people from all over which you would have never met without like these shows and without sometimes a genre that's predominantly about kicking your friends. <laughs> yeah. And it's really positive that way because you've always got people you could talk to or even if you're... Sometimes you even it's to a point where you feel like you're kind of... You're really hung up on something they can reel you in as well and yeah. be like, it's all right, you'll mm-hmm. be sound. Or sometimes it just takes up. Everyone's playing a gig. You see everybody there. You feel the energy, and you're like, I feel a bit better now. Like, kind of get you get yourself out of your head for like the next two or three hours. So do you think in that sense then it's like a kind of it's a place where you can get rid of your frustrations? Yes, yeah, right. definitely. Excellent. And another thing again, this is a point from Stephen, which I loved. Um, you do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Yeah. And you, I've, it's I've see it it's become a very important part of your life mm-hmm. would you say that it's like a similar outlet for your anger like a safe way to let off steam it's made me a lot calmer i'm not as it, because of the type of sport that is you can get angry you, you can be a really aggressive player in it mm-hmm. but it's like playing chess you always need to keep calm and reserved you can have those bits of anger and frustration where you move a bit quicker you can be a bit more aggressive but you always need to keep thinking so you can't go too far Mm-hmm. So you're still using that, you're still venting whatever frustrations you might have throughout the day and get out of your head for a bit, but you're really having to think about it and get inside your head. Good. if I move here, does this person going to move to this position or could I fake them to one side and I can maybe get a better position, get a sweep, go for a submission? So it kind of, I'm trying to think the best words there, like you could get the, the physical aspect of like you could really work yourself and get yourself that good workout but also mm-hmm. works your mind as well yeah it was interesting you said that just like when you said get out of your mind mm-hmm. uh, I know from things that I've done in the past that is like sometimes I'll be having stressful days stressful weeks something like that but I just need maybe that hour just to mm-hmm. kind of reset me yeah. just to kind of put me back on the path I was Definitely. on before that is that do you think that's the same between whether it's you having like a, a good move around to a band mm-hmm. whether you play a set or whether yeah. you're just like at jiu-jitsu and whether yeah. you're on the mat is, is that all the same is that all the same like, kind of space have, having like a great gig see all your mates you're all down on the same level you're moving about you've got that same aggression same same energy mm-hmm. is just as good as a good hour on the mats for me because it, it kind of eases everything it gets everything out and you're fine 
and half the time you're absolutely knackered by the end of it as well yeah. and then you can get a good night's sleep because you've let out all that energy as well from either or from yeah. no matter what option because I think you probably know like one of the things I did from uni was like a short documentary about uh, how motion's effectively just expressing yeah. yourself and I think that was one of the key things that we try- I tried to cover in that was that as much as it is so negative and there are injuries and everything, mm-hmm. the person's initial outset, for the most part, I'm not yeah. going to speak for every instance, yeah. is not to hurt anyone. Yeah. So uh, do you think that's just a normal accepted thing in hardcore then, that this is, a, is a release for... If, it's one of those things, everyone kind of gets it for different reasons and I can't speak for, I can only speak on my own behalf, I'd never go out to try and to intentionally hurt anybody. There's been instances where people have been hit the wrong way, there's been t- t- times where I've been hit the wrong way. Yeah. But as long as you kind of make sure you pick them up you get them get them out make sure everybody's okay but it's generally accepted for me it's kind of like you've got the the horseshoe sort of shape you kind yeah. of stay front and sides for me as opposed to back and back sides and side, yeah. but well, everyone's I mean, different I mean sort of cutting but just I've seen you like where we've had an, an incident at one of the gigs I did and, and I think as you say no fault no no mean you, you yeah. did you caught somebody and and um, and they were uh, they were hurt yeah. it was it was but you were the first person to make sure they were okay. You were the first yeah. person to get them out of harm. Yeah. And, I mean, that visibly affected you. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Do you think that... I mean, we had this discussion a couple yeah. of days ago, but you didn't have that outlet for a while. You didn't have that... Yeah, I stopped. It was... Uh, I didn't really... It was because of, like... Obviously, I forgot how much bigger I could be as yeah. well. Because you're, like, I mean, you're a big guy. Mm-hmm. You move well. And, and uh, I mean, not everybody... I was, I was, very, I was very unfortunate. I just... He turned round at the wrong moment and he walked into the general area and I thought it was clear and click. And he went out, so picked him up, took him outside, stayed with him, made sure he, he got seen right. He was actually, he stayed longer at the show than I did because I felt that bad after it. I left after uh, two songs into the revulsion set because he got himself patched up in the ambulance, came right back in, watched the end of the revulsion set and had a better time than I did. <laughs> yeah, because I mean that, like I say, like that visibly affected you very much. and I, st- I stopped uh, really motion that I only kind of went in America because everyone's a lot bigger as well yeah everyone's going hard so no that's fair I mean and see when you didn't have that it shows the shows feel different I did feel I wasn't enjoying it as much but I was also at the same time that I was uh, playing in Deceit as well which is yeah. a completely different headspace for that sort of band uh, so I was a lot of stuff was going on uh, for that so the releases that I had that I'd built up for over the years that I wore my my go-to's like Frontline weren't about anymore so I wasn't playing shows with them uh, the heavier shows weren't happening as much they were still happening and then when they did happen that instance like with uh, with with knocking out that, that guy I felt quite bad about it I kind of was a bit scared to do it Yeah. and I was just uh, as daft as it sounded I just had the fear I was just like yeah. I went outside I never smoked for about maybe a year and a half but after I knocked him out I was outside took some of these fives I was power smoking going <laughs> I'm not going to. I'm. I'm not going to my holiday next week. That's me. I'm going to be in the jail. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, rem- I remember the conversations vividly because you were shaking. I, mean, oh, it was, I was white. I was. Pasty. was you, I think, you would have thought like, I got knocked out. Yeah, I was about to say. I would probably say that you would actually think <laughs> the tables were kind of turned because the person who obviously got caught, he was pre- He was sound about it. There yeah. wasn't really. There was no bad blood. It was all. Oh no, it's fine. But you were like, you were in a bad place. It's because it's because it wasn't very. It wasn't there for about yeah. fifteen minutes. I was yeah. just like, I've made this boy brandied. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there was a bit of worry. Um, another thing, obviously, now you mentioned the seat. That was a different path compared mm-hmm. to what you were usually used to. Now you've come three sixty, and you're now in ruthless. You're a bit heavier. Yeah. Have you got that back? Have you got that release That's, back? I'm enjoying shows so much. I think a lot of it's down to the guys I'm playing with. No fault to, uh, like Luke James and uh, Tan. 
like absolutely love the guys and enjoy playing in the band with them but I just wasn't quite my thing mm-hmm. I love that style of music but I just I don't think I'd done it much justice right. for what it was but with this it was just with Ruthless it's just being as heavy as possible just being as aggressive as possible and getting really involved whether you're shouting at the crowd to move around people are moshing hard uh, and just getting everything out and being as very blunt about it as possible as opposed to trying to play around with the words to seem smart about it mm-hmm. or getting too personal you can be get personal with it but it's more of like oh, just a big fuck you to everything as opposed to I just feel bad for myself <laughs> yeah. and is that better for your mental health I mean oh it feels so much better I'm enjoying shows so much now uh, because I think it's just because it's the type of music that I've always kind of listened to and it's the the main kind of he- heavy music was kind of the big one that always got me and as long as I'm making heavy music and folk are going like even if folk aren't going well for it as long as I'm happy with it I don't care yeah it's kind of amusing myself at this point and having the, the guys in the band are just such a good laugh as well as much as like we all want to kill each other at times it's it's just tremendous even though Jones is the the least happy looking person on stage ever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we love Jones. Um, no, that's really interesting. It is really good to hear as well because I think, for me personally, and again, I've said this to you before, like, you could see when you were in a rut and, mm-hmm. and you could see, like, there was a there was a time period where I was like, I know that Frank's in a rut and he's mm-hmm. my friend and I hope he's okay, but you do sound a lot more positive yeah. and it seems like you've kind of taken that control back a wee bit. Yeah, definitely. Um, especially in the sense that doing what makes you happy. I mean, you've got your mm-hmm. jiu-jitsu, you're back in a band that's kind of giving you that release yeah. again, so that's good. Um, one thing, another thing, um, I mean, that was a negative we kind of spoke about yeah. with the Heart and Sunday Remotion, but in terms of when you've been in a band, have there been any downsides that you would have rather avoided? There's been a lot of injuries at frontline shows. Yeah. Uh, I'm pr- I can't remember if this is entirely true, but apparently a kid lost his pinky during a set in Germany when we played <laughs> Return to Strength Fest. So he swung his arm back, he hit a chain link fence and he popped off his pinky apparently. Like the tip of it. So I don't know how true that is. And a boy in Birmingham had his kneecap shifted round to pretty much the side. And this bloody was about six foot eight. And we stopped the show. This was on our first biggest tour. It was the Nasty Tour. And the show got put on hold for about an hour. Waiting for an ambulance. And the boy was a bit... He was big. See, it's weird when you think about that because obviously... I, Nobody goes to a show expecting to get hurt to that degree. No. No, we've been quite lucky in Glasgow, I think. Yeah, we've... But it's weird that you say that because obviously... It's glorified a lot of it. Especially with a lot of the videos, but like when people uh, get really hurt, I'm like, how do you wow. think? How do you think that makes people feel? Like, see if... Like, well, right, here's, here's something that lets people be blunt. We are talking about the people who participate, enjoy mm-hmm. and everything, but there's those people at shows who... Don't want to. Don't want to. But let's be honest, right, because... I've mm-hmm. been there and sadly I've been I partook <laughs> but there have been frontline shows or other shows with heavy bands where you see people who are just in having a good time mm-hmm. getting hit how does that make you feel? because I know you as a person and that's not you Um, I think a lot of it does come down to situational awareness right so you do have like as much as somebody wants to be really stubborn about it I think there's a personal responsibility to realise something might go a bit awry mm-hmm. but if there was no indication and it just kicked off it's a different story right but if you kind of see the gradual build up to it, I think it's in. You need to take into account nobody wants to go to a show to get hurt. Mm-hmm. But you also need to realise you might be putting yourself about too close to a situation where you can put yourself in danger. Mm-hmm. And because there was a lot of things that happened with obviously like last year with the that crowd fund when that yeah I think it was an, a a cold orange show. 
Yeah, exactly. no, no, nobody, want, nobody wants to have themselves that injured. Nobody wants to have that in their conscience. No. Doing that first, that, especially the band. But the band can't help that. People are going to take it the best way they can. And I'm never going to stop people from washing. The whole point of like me making bands is like, especially with this, me and Bono got together. We went, we're only playing riffs that we would mosh to. <laughs> and that's what we're going for. But so heavy, it, heavy, heavy, heavy. Just heavy as we can. It's... It sucks. It does happen when people go about three, pe- three, four people deep. Mm-hmm. But to me, I think it's just because I've been about that much, and that's what I'm used to personally. I just kind of have the situational awareness going. I w- if I didn't want to get hit, I wouldn't be in that area. Yeah. But genuinely, especially in Glasgow, you could be near the back and be fine, completely fine whatsoever. There's nothing. There's not really been any bad malice and or anything like that in a a good couple of years, where people have really went too far. I would say and uh, just like something me and kind of Stephen talked about when we, we did episode one was just like uh, you're obviously open and honest about the fact that there's been some like you've had some rough times mm-hmm. and everything are you now in a place where you think you'll be able to support your friends and not like yeah. not like act as a counsellor by any yeah. means but you know <laughs> just like putting them onto things do you feel now that it's now a more comfortable time to, to speak about these things at mental health I've always been uh, very open even when I was going through pretty much the hardest times I would went through uh, when I felt like nothing was going to pick anything up. But I'm very frank and honest about it. And I think it makes people quite uncomfortable with how I'll say things offhanded. But I'm also, I also say that even though I could have like a shit day and they can just give me a shout whenever, mm-hmm. make sure they're all right. And if they can understand, like if they've, even if they've got like a, a friend who's going through it and they don't know how to approach them, mm-hmm. I'll even, even if I've never met this person, I'm just, I'm happy to say, I can come along and like have a chat and say like obviously whatever I do that helps with my personal things might not help you but people do understand and they do get you there or they might just want to talk to me for the just on my view of it yeah because everyone has different coping mechanisms a lot of people become quite introverted I'm quite bad for closing myself off to people and just to everything I'll just go to work go to jets and repeat and mm-hmm. I'll just won't see anybody for weeks other people will go out they might just like drink a lot and all that sort of stuff to kind of get out their own sort of space. Everyone's a bit different. But I would always recommend really talking to someone, even if it's a friend, even if you feel like if you really struggle, if you know someone's struggling, I know it's difficult to make that first step and to really get them to talk in a conversation. You can never force it. Mm-hmm. But I would always make myself available. I'm like, I know you're not ready to talk about anything, but if you need to, I am here. And if they are, I'll, I won't push, but I'll just kind of say, you're not alone, this does happen. There's people you can talk to, if not me, and I can say there's like there's other I know it's always people always go, go to a doctor, go for a run, that sort of stuff. It's yeah. the generic advice and it's I think it's, sometimes it's just more valuable even like mm-hmm. I mean, to be honest, the reason we started this podcast was I mean we want to talk about music obviously, but mm-hmm. the big thing is obviously about mental health. mental health, how how music affects mm-hmm. everything and, and me, Lewis, Ross and Stephen really want to try and bring something about where we can try and start destigmatizing it. Yeah, and as you say, like just letting people know that you are comfortable enough where they can talk to you yeah. about their mental health. Like you can be an outlet for them just to listen. If they if they could they could just talk to me about whatever. Like even if it was something like it was the getting set up by something really dumb. I'm never going to like. I'll try and what's the what's the word I'm looking for here? I'm never going to make whatever's kind of made them feel down. I'm never going to like say that I was kind of they dumb. Trivialize it. Like trivialize it. Yeah, I never say I was like. I'll, sometimes I'll, I will be off handy because I'm quite cheeky as the yeah. best of times yeah. but if I realise if I do know it's quite a, a serious one I'll be like 
it's fine. You don't need to worry about it. You could just talk to me mm-hmm. and go from there. I always make myself open and available. I'm like with a few of my friends. I'm just saying you should just knock on my door. Just come to the flat and hang out here if you need to get away so you're out of your own space. Because that was a bad thing for me. I never got out the the flat. Uh, for one point, I just wasn't going out at all. And I was driving me. I was making me worse because I was just within these four walls and a lot, yeah. a lot of people do that. I was like, how come to mind? It's a kind of space where you can be outside your own head and just listen to me and chug my flatmate, <laughs> <laughs> play games and just talk talk about music and stuff and just be just be bams, essentially. <laughs> no, that's amazing. I like that you said that and just that obviously through your own experience and now you, like, you've obviously spoken to somebody, you've mm-hmm. found that person and now you're comfortable and mm-hmm. maybe be in that gateway for somebody else. So I love yeah. that. That's really good, Frank. Um, the, the last one, this comes directly from Stephen because I'm going to be honest, I think I've heard about three Iron Sheik songs. Mm-hmm. So uh, Stephen says, I know you're a big fan of Iron Sheik. Uh, Jason Lebrano, I hope I said that right, manages to talk about the day-to-day shit that life throws at you in a pretty great philosophical, ma- philosophical manner. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your favourite Iron Sheik song? It's a really tough one because I just wanted, like, I, I always listen to them by album as opposed to individual songs. Oh, right, okay. Uh, I think it might be off. Uh, I think it might be every time I was at Elm Street, which is the last song on Not Like This. I'm going to make a mental note right now to actually listen to that song. <laughs> it's the last song on it, and it just gets me every time. The first time, like the listen to because the first because it's such a strong album, because the first song gets you in, and the last song just closes it perfectly, and right. then it just starts again. And I'm just like, I just listen to that on repeat, forever. Mm. How did you get into the band? It was. One of the guys called Sam uh, from Dundee who used to go to shows. I went to Edinburgh Uni. Uh, he introduced me to them, and then I had I just downloaded like I got about people send me suggestions for music. I think I must have got about fifteen twenty bands and albums, and I just put it on my iPod iPod one day, and I was actually like Kelvin Grove, uh, skateboarding. Well, I say skateboarding. I can never skateboard. I just rolled about a little bit, <laughs> right. and uh, I had it on shuffle and. Uh, cutesy monster man came on and as soon as it uh, I hit it with the line I want to smash my face into the goddamn radio that was me I was just like and straight away hooked into it and I listened to that album repeat I, like, I swear down for about 2-3 weeks I had it on repeat that full time and everyone I talked to I was like have you listened to this album <laughs> have you listened to this band like Duncan uh, our friend Duncan got it a lot and like Shog got it yeah. <laughs> like so many friends that like within my immediate friend group through Instagram I've just had to listen to me like waffle on about Iron Sheik <laughs> and have you spread the message do you like it now too yeah like <laughs> I, I think I managed to convince my friend Ian well I think he's I, I got him to listen to their latest album and I think I'm uh, I'm going to take him to the show in April as I well do. so I'm very excited. <laughs> and uh, just before we wrap up, uh, obviously I've been quizzing you and playing you. Is there anything yeah. you would ask of us? Anything you want to say? Any final thoughts? Well, listening to the the first episode of the podcast, you're talking about when you're running TFN and stuff. Yeah, you should have just been on our ass about frontly. We got <laughs> got another tour out of us. <laughs> got another year out of us. <laughs> Honestly, I, I always wonder what what if I pushed, but no, no, no. I think you. I think it would have been a great. I I I would have been for it because I would just be like. I'm just happy playing music and yeah. if like not even like my gaffer I was like I just really don't want to disappoint Ross. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just I want to help him as much as I can. <laughs> but it was like, what was the kind of hardest thing when you first started putting on shows? Because you helped me with the charity show, like a, 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 was it last year or the year before? And also I'd never really run a show before. Yeah. How did you find? Because I was like Ross, you really need to help me, but you seem to have just like 
dived in head first because I remember like you had like the battle of the bands and then you had was it while she sleeps? No, while she sleeps was before. So was it while she sleeps I don't know. Before? I think I think me and Pete kind of got a baptism of fire to be honest. Yeah. Because <laughs> we were sitting and we were like, how can we make this impactful? And we were just like, Do you know what? Let's just book a band that. That we can't afford, right? So we booked While She Sleeps. We actually just, I think we just phoned their agent at the time. We literally just phoned her. <laughs> We'd never done it. We just phoned her. She worked for the agency group. Big, big, big agent. Like, yeah. I'm not, not going to name any names. But I don't know why, how we were so bold. But we just phoned and we just said, uh, what about While She Sleeps? And then there was a few emails back and forth. There was a price agreed. And then we had to pay them a huge deposit. And then we booked the G2. And then we were like, we don't have any money for any other bands. <laughs> so we had to like try and find like five locals that we liked. And then I see Set Astray honest, were on that, like back in the early days of Set Astray, I'm sure. Set is like Set Astray's fourth show or something. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, we, we paid all the bands. It was really weird. We actually had to pay their parents money because they were all 13. <laughs> really strange. So we had to, were really young at the time. Yeah, so we had to, We had, sorry, Lewis just made a face like he was so shocked. <laughs> Yeah, this is how long I've been around. Um, but um, so we had to pay their parents. It was really strange. We paid their parents the money from their tickets and they were like buzzing. I think they made like 70 quid or something <laughs> off the tickets, but they were like super excited because they made money. Um, but no, I think the confidence just came because the first one was huge and there wasn't... After that, we weren't paying like a grand and a half guarantees yeah. for a while. So I think I, I never settled down until I had about three cans at that show. <laughs> Did they really get a, a, like your charity show? Yeah, I think I was about twenty five people through the door. I went, I'm fine. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be okay. It's for a good cause. I paid yeah. for the venue. I don't care. I think that's what me and Stephen said as soon as you see those first couple trickling in. As you, that was but, it. Uh, listen, man, it's been amazing to speak to you about this. Uh, thanks so much for being so open and honest. It does help us a lot. Uh, just before we wrap up, because episode one is now live, I just want to remind you that we can get you can get subscribe to us on Castbox. Stitcher, we're on iTunes. There's the video footage uh, of episode one is on YouTube. I expect episode two will be up in the next couple of weeks. We've got some really good guests coming up as well. Um, and you can find us on Facebook as well, Strong Side Podcast. Uh, as always, check out the good work Lewis does, Glasswork Studio, uh, Frank's band Ruthless. Uh, yeah, I'm running out of shout outs, but uh, please subscribe, please listen, and as always, just give us all your feedback. Cheers, bye bye.